What's going down, people? It's episode 40, that's right, 40 of Echoes from the Void. And, um, yeah, it's been a, yo, it's been a weird-ass week. It's been a roller coaster, people. It's definitely been a roller coaster. You know what I mean? I had to cancel a holiday. Haven't been away for a friggin' long-ass time, man. Was looking forward to it. Had to cancel it. Was gutted. But. But. You know what I mean? Some good shit came up. So. I was trying to go see Anderson Pack. Things got messed up. Not my fault. So the venue. They contacted me and was just like, yo. We'll hook you up. So I'm going to go see Anderson Pack next week. So that's golden. Managed to get tickets to go see Erica Badu in June. Looking forward to that. And oh my gosh, that the biggest thing, man. So I've, I've because my bank card got hacked, I wasn't able to like try and get Skankfest tickets when they went on sale initially. And I was like, oh, man. So I'm probably going to miss out, right? I'm probably going to miss out. But I, 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 wor- I went into work mad early so I could leave in, in time so I could get home and get tickets. So I got home. I, I was on. Everything was looking good. Then my fucking computer just had the wheel. It was just spinning, spinning the web page. And I was like, ah, so I'm trying all other kind of things. In the end, I was able to do it through my phone, which was, it took forever because I'm trying to enlarge everything so I can actually see what the fuck I'm doing. But, yo, got tickets for Skank Fest. So, Looking forward to that. Got my flight sorted. Got my hotel booked. So I am ready to go. And it's enough time. You know what I mean? It's in June. So that I feel that's enough time to get all my shit sorted out. And yeah, I, I should be cool. Should be cool. So I'm looking forward to that, man. It's going to be great fun. Hoping to try and get a slot and kill Tony, you know what I mean, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go through all my material, I'm gonna, you know what I mean, try and get out and do some more, I'm really trying to get back into the stand-up, but I don't know, we'll have to see what's going on, it's all these bringer shows, man, it's killing me, you know what I mean, because you're trying to get people to actually come, ugh, it's all a nightmare, but um, but yeah, yeah, you know, um, as I said, look, it's been an up and down week, but I've had some fun, uh, went to see Bill Burr, which, which was great, um, what else have I done this week, I know, man, like, what some, what some TV, read some books, all of that, you know, let, let, let's just get into it, right, let's get into all the fun that has been going down, man. So, uh, I saw this news story, right? Um, where a lion, um, 
killed a man in the Czech Republic who was keeping it as a pet. Which is, um, you know, I think you pretty much guarantee that any situation like that will end like that. Like, lions are not pets. Crocodiles are not pets. Like, anyone that keeps, like, one of these exotic animals is a moron. And when you see a story where they are eaten by that animal, hey, it just makes me laugh. And think to myself, you brought that on you. What is just ridiculous? What's frustrating? What's irritating? Okay, so this guy who is living in a village in Czech Republic, right? So... The, the the story says that he he had asked for planning permission to build two lion pens in his garden and he he was denied that but he bought the animals anyway so in 2016 he bought the male lion and then in 2018 he bought a lioness so they he could breed them like that just that right there you're asking for trouble because you've got a lion in one pen you've got his chick in another pen you're keeping them apart so if you're going in the lion pen and my man's feeling frisky what you you think you're he's gonna let you scratch his tummy no, like, the best case scenario, he's gonna ride you like a motherfucking train, you know what I mean, the worst case scenario, yeah, you're getting ripped apart, you, you know what I mean, it's just never gonna end well, never gonna end well, and it shouldn't, because these are wild animals, why are you fucking with them, so, like, he, he, the, the, you know, the council knew he was buying these animals, he bought the animals, but they're like, oh, um, there's no evidence of animal cruelty, <laughs> so we can't do anything, it's like, they couldn't forcibly remove the, it's like, no signs of animal cruelty, keeping lions in your back garden, that right there, that's animal cruelty, you fucking morons. So there's that. It then says, right, this is the, the, the crazy situation. So um, <laughs> he, like uh, uh, last year, he was taking the lioness for a walk. Had, had it on a leash because, you know, that, is going to really help if the lion decides, fuck it, I'm out of here. So he has the lioness on a leash and a cyclist rides into it. There's an accident, cyclist rides into it. It then says, after intervention by police, the incident is deemed a traffic accident. It's just like, what are you people doing 
It's just crazy as a motherfucker, right? But, yeah, so, the other week, the guy's parents go to his house and find him dead in the lion cage. In the male lion cage, he's been mauled. Um, and he must have gone in there to feed it or something because he'd locked the cage behind him. So he gets mauled. So when the authorities go to the house to get the body and sort the situation out, they shoot both lions. They shoot both lions. I'm just like, what the fuck is that? The lion is just doing what lions do, you know? So I don't understand how the lion has to lose its fucking life. What you'd think would they would do is contact some friggin' animal zoologist peoply people that, I mean, like, deal and understand these situations. They would come. They would probably trank the lions and then transport them somewhere where they can be properly looked after and hopefully released into the wild, you know? But to shoot them dead? They're like, oh, it's the only way we could get to the body. No, it's not. You you just wanted done with this situation. So you shot these Friggin' animals dead. That's just, just, ugh. I think it just stinks. It's terrible. It's not. It's not a good situation. This dickhead illegally purchased lions dies because that's the way this story was always ending, and the poor lions are the ones that have to suffer. It's just not great, man. Not great. At all and very irritating. Okay, so at the moment there's a story on the BBC rate the BBC website and it's entitled Raising a Transgender Child. And it's very it's an odd situation. And look, when I say it's an odd situation. I'm not saying that the 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 idea of transgender is an odd situation. What is an odd situation is a young child being you know what I mean assigned a new gender. See now this the thing with this is because okay, so the the, the kid's nine and I think all of this kind of transpired when they were seven. Now, what is the odd, like the thing that is kind of odd, kind of problematic, is the fact that the kids change so much. You know what I mean? Like, it's all dependent on... Like who the kids friends are What it's influences are There's the amount of times you'll see a kid And they'll be like um, I don't know 
like Rice Krispies are my favourite thing in the world. And then one day their best friend's like, ugh, Rice Krispies are the worst. Anyone that eats them is an idiot. I am all about Cocoa Puffs. Like all the cool kids like Cocoa Puffs. So, yeah, that's how it is. Then that uh, first kid will go home and go, I hate Rice Krispies. Rice Krispies are the worst. I want to eat Cocoa Puffs now. Because they want to be like their friends. They want to fit in. They want to feel like everyone else. So, you know, their moods change. Their favourite things change all the time. Look, one of my friend's kids won't eat, like, chicken. Like, roast chicken. But will eat chicken nuggets all day. Do you read? It's, it, like, chicken... But only if it's breaded. Doesn't make any sense, right? It's crazy. But, hey, that's what kids do. They make these odd choices. They, you know, they they conform with, like, situations around them. As I said, look, what their friends are thinking, you know, depending on the household they're growing up in. So, for a, a kid to fully reassign it is it's kind of it's problematic because now are, are we trapping a kid into a situation you know what I mean because it's like how many times as well have we heard oh that the kid doesn't want to do, didn't want to say something because they thought that their parents might be upset. They thought their parents might be disappointed. So imagine a kid has gone, oh, I now think that I'm a girl or I think I'm a boy. So they then their parents are like, oh, uh, okay, yeah, all right, don't worry. We, we'll, we'll roll with this, man. And so they take it to all these places and blah, 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 all this stuff happens. And then, like, maybe a, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a year, you know what I mean? Whatever, whatever, whatever time period, whatever. That goes by. And then the kid's like, um, actually, you know what? Meh. I'm back as a boy. I'm back as a girl. And then they think, oh, but my parents have gone through all of this trouble. And I think they're happier that I've n- I'm now this so if I come and tell them I want to go back are they going to be disappointed are they going to be angry at me are they going to you know so there's that yeah and, and so I think it's a bit it can be very problematic now don't get me wrong I do not know how you approach this situation I myself are a bit like because I was speaking to some friends the other day And they were just It's all about this whole Name it Like but Like gender um, Oh what the fuck did they call it um, Gender announcement Ceremonies or something The parents do Like you know what I mean They, they don't want to know the birth of their kid And so then one, Like Once At a certain point 
they find out and they have a big party where you know like a company disguises the, the the gender of the baby in balloons or something something and they and all their friends then find out at the same time and I was a bit like I've never heard of that shit that's some crazy ass shit and what does it matter I've, she said but you, wouldn't you want to know like what clothes to buy or what colour to paint the walls in their room or what and I'm like look like why are we like things don't have to be blue or pink like there's so many friggin' colours we like we don't have to be and, and I, I think sometimes we probably place too much on a kid you know because it's just like you know people dress them up in a certain in a certain way in certain colors you know they buy certain toys and is that the problem here you know what i mean are we forcing shit on a kid at these early ages instead of just letting them yo, instead of just being like yo have fucking fun do whatever the fuck you want to do and then when you are you know what i mean a certain age when you're a t- when you're like 16 and even 16 is still a problematic situation but you know what I mean look but I think at 16 we still know a bit more about ourselves than we do at seven you know so at least let the kid get to a, a point where a lot of these weird emotions that are running through their head um, and their minds and their thoughts are bit more clarified you know what I mean I don't know like but it just seems by kind of you know pushing something on a kid before they've even hit puberty it it really does seem problematic I mean I will say that at the end of this article um the mother does say that, um, oh, what did she say? I can't say 100% whether I think autumn will remain female past puberty. Puberty. There could be a change when hormones kick in. And so I think at least there is that. But as I said, look once a kid gets to a certain point they could feel like they've now trapped themselves in a situation but I don't know it's just it just seems we're getting in these crazy times when you know I think there's there's this trend to as as the moment uh you know someone goes hmm I like I actually like the color pink hold on you like the color pink wait we need a conversation um I think you might be transgender you know what I mean it's it's like we're jumping to assumptions all the time we want to go oh well you must be this or you must be that and blah 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 without just going hey you know what have a moment to breathe yeah I don't know 
It's just crazy times, right? Crazy ass times. Man, some crazy shit was going down recently. So, Matt, I just remember going on Instagram the other last week. Yeah, last week. Or beginning of this week, maybe. And there was all this stuff about Dela. Um, and I was like, yo, what's going down? And, um, yo, so it, it, it's coming up to the 30th anniversary of um, Three Feet High and Rising, which is a great album. Love that album. Remember when it came out and just, you know what I mean? Just, ah, was great. You know what I mean? It's a soundtrack of youth, man. Just remember that shit. You know, so it's like, just thinking 30 friggin' years ago, man. 30 years ago. It just seems insane but um you know what it's like i did and i hadn't even noticed because i've got the albums i've got their albums but it's just like yo none of their shit is um it's not on streaming services which is like whoa fuck i did not realize that and um, because, you know, it's coming up to the 30th anniversary. So, Tommy Boy, their old record label, was going to put all the music on the, on the, all the different services. It then transpired, though, that the deal was fucked up, man fucked up, which doesn't surprise me, because all the shit that you've heard about Tommy Boy over the years, you know what I mean, a bunch of scandalous motherfuckers, but, so how it, how it worked out that the profits, the profit split was gonna see 90% go to Tommy Boy, and 10% Go to Della. That's fucked up. It's some crazy ass shit. Um, and you know, like their label, they they try and and claim all this other shit, but they're just a bunch of assholes. Like they were like, oh, actually, thirty percent was gonna go to Della. I'm just like. That's still not good. That's still not good. Um, Kitarin is just just insane, but like, you know, what I mean, it, it 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 seems that everyone jumped, and and was you know not happy with the situation, which is. Uh, like, because, you know, Jay-Z's got Tidal, and he refused to put, you know what I mean, any of the music on his, on the service, you know what I mean, refused, and then you had people like Q-Tip, um, Ninth Wonder, Black Fault, Quest Love, you know what I mean, everyone, like, calling, call, you know what I mean, calling people to arms, be like, yo, fuck Tommy Boy and their bullshit. Which is, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
fuck Tommy Boy, man. And because of all of this, yo, Tommy Boy, you know, and Warner Brothers, they were like, okay, we are holding off doing anything for the moment. So, um, yeah, I don't know, it's crazy, man. I think, like, um, supposedly, um, you know, some of the problem comes from the amount of samples that are on three feet high and rising. Because there's, like, I think, I think it's probably more than 70, more than 70 on that one album. And there's samples on all the other albums. But you think when these the contracts were signed, like, you mean, everything was assigned to vinyl and cassette. So, you mean, like, if it was just... I think stated as for reproduction purposes, you could have then gone into the digital zone and, and put stuff out. But because it's only like clarified as vinyl and cassette, new contracts needed to be drawn up. But you know, I, I think it's like um, post post uh postnorus said that you know, the label just didn't want to spend all the time going through all the albums and working out, alright, so that's a sample, we need to get that cleared and do... So it's just this long-ass process that, I don't know, just needs to get dealt with, man. But it's just, it's just good, the fact that the albums haven't come out. You know what I mean? Because if we want them... Let's buy the physical copy, man. Buy the physical copy, but yeah, I, I like. Who knows what the fuck is gonna happen? Um, you know, with this whole fucking streaming shit. Like, uh the statement though that came out, um, yeah, from Tommy Boy is just a bit like, ugh. Is it? It's just like, um. You know, they're, they're, they're saying, um, Tommy Boy has not had the opportunity to sit down together with Della Soul and finalise our negotiations, something we've wanted to do for months. We have decided to postpone the digital release of their catalogue scheduled for tomorrow, which would have been Friday, last Friday. Um, and you're just like, ugh. You know, they're, they're saying, oh, it's all a big misunderstanding. This misunderstanding. You know, you're trying to rape talent. That's what you're trying to do, you fucking assholes. It's just insane, man. Just insane. You know, because, like, you just think, man, Della Soul, they're just, just classics, man. Just, like, formed in 87. You know what I mean? Formed in 87. They were down with the whole Native native Tongue Collective. Um, like they worked with so many talented people. And they're, they're nine albums deep. 
And I have to say, I do, I love the albums, man. Like, Three Feet High and Rising, as I said, classic. Della Soul is Dead, classic. Balloon, Mind State, it's another great album. Stakes is High, I love Stakes is High. Vibes, mm, mm, mm. vibrations, Stakes is High. You know the Stakes is High? Ah, that's an awesome album, man. Love that album. Then you've got the uh, Official Intelligence, Mosaic Thump, and then Bionics. Third album never came, which is a shame. Like, you know what I mean? It would be interesting to see how that trilogy ended. So then we just get the Grind Date. Grind Date was good, still. Still good. Plug one and plug two present. And then the Kickstarter album from a couple of years back. And the anonymous nobody. Which was like, you know what I mean? You you listen to any of them and you're like, yeah, that's a Della joint, man. That's a like straight away, you know. They're all different, but they all have the essence of Della, which is awesome. And um I'm just glad I own this shit, man. You're in, but it's just like you know. What I mean, it would be good if if it was available online, because it just means a whole new generation can listen to this music. But uh, who knows what's gonna happen? But listen, man, it's just things got to be right. That's what needs to happen, man. You know what I mean? Can't have all of this. Fucking bullshit where people are just trying to straight up steal. It's just. Ugh, it's terrible, man. I hope this gets sorted out. Hope it gets sorted out. But yeah, who knows? We will have to. We'll have to see, man. Fingers crossed, right? Man, I have to say, tonight. Well, today. I've just felt. So rotten, just like, just aching, just nauseous, just terrible, 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 terrible. But I had tickets for Bill Burr, and I'm like, you know what I mean? If I've got tickets for something, you know what I mean? The most chances I'm going, just because. I hate missing shit, the shit that I've been looking forward to, and I hate wasting fucking money for no reason, you know what I mean, but also, there's another thing as well, comedy, man, like, you know, when you're feeling shit, it it can just turn things around, you know, and, hey, it definitely was the tonic tonight, It, it was... Ah, it was a good night. I rode solo because, you know what I mean? Couldn't find any other motherfucker to come. But that's cool. I don't mind. I've been to the Robert Hall a bunch of times. So um, I won't get lost getting there. Which is, you know, a bonus. It's a bonus. So, yeah. Like, there was one warm-up cat. Um, oh, gosh. I think it was Andrew Rowe. Some British dude. Um, he was northern. Yeah. 
felt we I'm not gonna hold that against him. But yeah, he was funny. I have to say he was fun like it started off and I wasn't sure. You know what I mean? I wasn't quite sure at the very beginning. It was a bit like eh, it's alright, but mm, a little hacky. You know what I mean? Like maybe hacky not the word. I but I would say some of the jokes were the, the common denominator ones. So, I, you know, I, mean, I was like, yeah, it's amusing, but, you know, it's kind of obvious. It's, it's all right. It's all right. But as the set went on, yeah, 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 yeah. Then, then it was just like, yo, he seemed to find his rhythm, find his voice. And, yeah, he, he, he was definitely getting laughs, man. So that was good. It was, it's always good when, when things start off with a good warm-up. You know what I mean? Sometimes there's no warm-up. Which is, that's good too. But when there is a warm-up, hey, you know, it's got to be decent. Because it sets the tone for the evening, right? Like, the thing that I did not know. So, like, warm-up dude bounces. Then there's an announcement. And it's just like, yo, if everyone, you know what I mean? Like, when Bill comes on, just stays in the seats, don't like move around all over the place because they were filming and no he was recording his motherfucking special in the albert hall boom you know what i mean that's pretty live right and um yeah ah bill i saw him last year i have to say yo just as motherfucking funny it 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 was it was a good set man it was a good set like just oh it's a, the, the material oh, it was just hilarious you know he just like just hitting hitting some kind of general topics hitting some political shit but it, it, it's just the way you know the spin on things like he had this bit about the first lady which oh my god it was so funny so funny, man. That is so, uh, yeah. I'm not gonna say any, like, not even any hints because, yeah, I just want people to hear that from the giddy. And uh, it it's just jokes, man. So he had, he had that. Um, like, he had some Me Too stuff, but that was funny because, again, it's a little different to some of the shit that you've heard, you know what I mean, previously and, and, and that kind of thing. So that was, yeah, so yeah, it was good, man. Just like a standing fuck stick. <laughs> See, you need to hear the joke, man. But, ah, yeah, it was gold. It was gold. Like, the thing that I, it always bemuses me is the motherfuckers that shout out <coughs> it's just like why are these fools just shouting out all the time you know it makes no sense firstly don't think you can win an exchange against a motherfucker with a microphone you know what i mean you that, yeah you're not winning that like you should understand you are not winning that exchange Secondly, what are you expecting? You know what I mean like you so you have the there was some fools just shouting out some random shit, and then you had some people like 
shouting out, I love you, Bill. Bill, Bill, I love you. It was just like him to go, and he was just talking about his wife, you know what I mean? So he'd just been talking about, like, his wife and some of the silly arguments they have and that kind of thing. So firstly, you know, his response was, was, was gold. His response was gold. But the, but the thing being, like, what did you want him to do? Him to go, you know what? Fuck my wife. Hey, wait for me outside... And you and me are going to do a ting after the show. Yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll move you back to America with me. Yeah, we can start something. It's like, what do you want from this motherfucking exchange, you dumb fucking fools? It just, it just baffles me. It's just some nonsensical bullshit. But luckily, it didn't, you know, it didn't ruin anything. Because, ah, I I forget who I saw one time. Um, I think it was at Reading, at the Reading Festival. And, like, this comedian, she she was getting heckled. And she destroyed the heckler. But the problem was, then her whole set now was responding to this heckler. So, it, it, it was... You know, and and the first two exchanges is a bit amusing, and then it just becomes extremely tiresome. But you know, what I mean, Bill, straight up professional, like brought everything back on track, and yeah, he just killed it. Just yeah, I was, I felt it was longer than an hour. I feel he did longer than an hour, but um, yeah, like there was nothing in there that you go. Mm. Yeah, I'd cut that, or, you know, yeah, I'd probably cut that, but it was just great, it was great, I might say, I might even say it was funnier than last year, I'm not quite sure, I'd have to think about that one, but, like, both, for sure, were hilarious, so, yeah, it was great, like, I would, I would, uh, the problem was, like, it wasn't a problem, because it wasn't, that bad but it was just a little like where I was sitting um so I was sitting by the uh disabled platform and there were some people up on there just just yammering in certain places and you mean you just wanted to be like shut up you fucking asshole trying to listen to the jokes not you but you realize all right i can't say anything because from a distance it just looks like me shouting at the special bus and that's not a good look right so you know i held it down so i was very um i was proud of myself you know what i mean i'm like Actually, I held the shit down, didn't lose my cool. So I was just like, hey, Kevin, you're growing. You are definitely growing and not outwards. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, you know, but as I said, look, it wasn't continuously, because then I probably would have said something. I ain't going to lie. But it was just every now and again, there was some yapping. But yeah, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. It didn't kill the evening. 
um, yeah, this evening, it was, it was straight up jokes, it was just getting home, that was just like, so cold outside, so fucking cold, but um, yeah, <sighs> it was a good night, and it was, it was much needed, much needed, and it has saved the day, so hurrah, and um, go check out Bill Burr if you get the chance, if you haven't, be surprised if you haven't, because he's a legend, he's hilarious. Um, but yeah, if you haven't, go see him, motherfucker. Okay, so, man, that, like, we just had UFC 235. Um, that happened Saturday night, the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Like it, you know, I mean, the, just the build up to this card, you know, everything was looking like this was gonna be something, you know, what I mean, this was good, like because the fights on this card were crazy, you know, what I mean, it was stacked. And you know what, I have to say, yeah, this was a good card, like, we saw some really good fights. I mean, um. So there was the fight pass prelims, um, like, you see, the first fight was okay, Hannah Schaefer against Pollyanna Vienna, like, Cypher won it, split decision, um, I have to say, both girls were looking very suspect, you know what I mean, they both were standing very upright, their, their chins, like, to defence was wasn't great, they both looked very hittable, so, you know, it was a close decision, you would say that both do need a lot of work if they want to get anywhere, rather than just be journey people, you know, the next fight though, Jesus Christ, and I have to say, like, when, when I was first looking at, I got, I got the girls mixed up, because it was Macy Shizan against Gina Mazzani, and I thought Macy Shazan was Macy Barber, um, and so, yeah, like, I missed up, I mixed up, you know what I mean, but I have to say, Macy Shazan, she looked great on the Ultimate Fighter, you know what I mean, she looked pretty unstoppable, and in this fight, whoo, yeah, she was pretty unstoppable man, she just steamrolled Mazzani, steamrolled her, and it all ended very quickly in the first round, uh, the next fight, another um, promising fighter, Edmund Shabazian, against Charles Bird, hey, Shabazian just took Bird out, this was ridiculous, Man, Chabazian looked good. Because, you know, Charles Bird is a decent fighter. But he was just out, seriously outmatched in this fight. So Chabazian just won TKO, TKO early in the first round. Then the next, we went to the main preliminary card. Oh my God. Like, so the first fight was Diego Sanchez. First Ultimate Fighter winner against Mickey Gall. And, like, Mickey Gall from um, Dana White looking for a fight. You know, he, he's not done too badly. 
Yo in the octagon. Um, but he hasn't fought anyone huge. But, you know, being a young fighter with, with um, you know what I mean? Like, he's basically, he, he didn't have any pro fights. So, to the way he hasn't faced the talent and the like of Diego Sanchez. But the, a fighter of his caliber, he you know, you've got to build that kind of fighter up. But he felt that he could challenge Sanchez. Um, so he called for this fight. Was given this fight. Kind of makes sense because Sanchez. I mean this was something like his 40th fight. Something crazy like that. You know what I mean? He's been in the game for a long ass time. And the, the last lot of fights have been very up and down. So you can see why this fight was made. God damn it. Like it didn't look like Gaul should be in there though. He was manhandled by Sanchez. As Gaul was saying, you know what I mean? Building up to this fight, he was going to take Sanchez out in the first round. He's going to knock him out. He's going to do all of this. Like, it looked, yeah, I don't know. It looked a mess, man. Gaul, it didn't look like he was 170. You know, it did not look like he was 170 going into this fight. Um, And he gassed something crazy just looked like he had nothing and when Sanchez took him down it didn't look like he he had any sort of ground game which is crazy because we know Gaul has a ground game but in this fight it looked like he had nothing and he was just ground and pounded out in the second round um it was good to see Sanchez get the win his first knockout win in something like 10 years, you know what I mean, which is insane, but I hope that Sanchez doesn't, you know I mean, stick around too much longer, because, like, you can see that he's definitely still slowed down, he's still not the fight he once was, so I hope the fact that he demolished Mickey Gall doesn't keep him in the game, like, too long. Uh, next up was Cody Stamen against Alejandro Perez. Um, it was an okay fight. Um, Stamen won it by a unanimous decision. I myself probably thought it was closer than that. Um, I kind of could have gone either way, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, next fight was Johnny Walker against Misha Serkinov. Um, Johnny Walker was a late replacement for Oven St. Prue. And so, like, coming into this, this was going to be Walker's biggest test, you know. Um, but, god damn it. Yeah, this, this got finished, like, basically straight away. Like, Walker fainted. And then hit Serkinov with a crazy flying knee. Um, yeah, so that was it. And then he dislocated his arm in a stupid celebration move afterwards. Like, so we still haven't seen Walker tested. This is the thing. So it will be interesting to see him against higher echelon performers. You know what I mean? Could he do this to someone like Alexander Gustafsson? 
You know what I mean? That I think that's the big question. Um, and I think that's what will happen. I think his next fight will be against someone higher in the division. Like Corey Anderson is calling for you know a big fight. He's calling for a title fight. I I you know, I could definitely see them saying Corey fight Walker. If you beat Walker, you're next. I don't think they'd say Walker gets the next shot, but I think they could say if Anderson beats him, Anderson is next. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, then we had the beat Magomedov Pishapkov. <laughs> oh shit, I butchered that against Jeremy Little Heaven Stevens. I think everyone thought this was gonna be a crazier fight than it was. Um, I think Zabit definitely took the first two rounds pretty easily. In the third round, it seemed like Stevens woke up and got more into the fight. And he probably took that third round. Um, so Zabit won it, unanimous decision. Like, the crowd wasn't happy, but I don't, like, Stevens just took too long to wake up for this fight. So it wasn't the fight that we were expecting, but it still wasn't a bad fight. So we then get to the main card. Oh my days. Oh my days. So the first fight was Cody Garbrandt against Pedro Munez. Um, and like everyone knows what kind of fighter Garbrandt is. You know what I mean? He's a good boxer. Uh, but. In his last couple of fights against, um, like, Dillashaw, he he just lost control. You know I mean? He, his game plan goes out the window. He's rushing forward. He gets knocked out. And when this fight started, it looked like Garbrandt was more controlled. You know what I mean? More focused. And so it was all going pretty well, I think think he was probably taking the first round then like I think like he hit Munez hit him with a good punch and Munez kind of wobbled and Garbrandt just lost his shit lost his shit just everything went out the window um so yeah, he's rushing forward. Munez is like flying. He then hits Garbrandt with a good pull up, good punch. Garbrandt shaky. Then Munez just goes, "Hey!" He points down and is like, "Yo, let's stand and bang." And for some reason, Garbrandt's like, "Yeah, that sounds like a good idea." He could have gone, "Yeah, that sounds like a good idea." Then shot for a takedown. Like, rode out the last of the, the few minutes of the round. Gone, like, had a rest. Come out again for the second round. But no, he stood there. And he then he got his ass knocked out. Got his ass knocked out again. So that is the third fight in a row where Garbrandt has been knocked out. That is not good for a, such a young fighter. You know, he hasn't had a whole heap of fights, and he's been knocked out viciously in the last three. So you're kind of thinking that, um, yeah, he he might 
be at that point where Chuck Liddell and Rashad Evans got to at the end of their career already, you know, because he's been viciously knocked out three times, and you think he's probably going to be a chinny fighter now. You wonder, like, could could someone knock him out easy? Because you'd say, like, Dominic Cruz does not have huge knockout power. He will get you with an accumulation of punches. But a one-punch knockout, you wouldn't say Dominic Cruz has. But you could definitely think right now that Cruz could probably knock Garbrandt out with maybe one punch. It's got to it's got to that point. And and you kind of feel as well. He Garbrandt has taken so much damage recently. How much longer should he fight for? You know? How much longer? Because with the fears of brain injury, CTE and everything like that, you you kind of think Garbrandt is on that road. On that road crazy fast. It'll be interesting to see what happens now on. Like, I can definitely see Garbrandt on the prelims rather than the main cards. Because, yeah, his performances haven't been great. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Garbrandt. Also, interesting to see what happens to Munez. To see where he is in, in this whole title situation. Because, you know, the title contender should be Marlon Moraes. Um, And then in his last fight, I think Aljo Sterling has probably staked a good claim. So we could go Sterling v. Moraes. Um, sorry, Sterling v. Munez. To see who the next challenger is. And Marlon fights TJ for the belt. That's how it should be. Who knows what will happen. But yeah, it's getting interesting at the top. We then had Weili Zhang against Tisha Torres. Um, Yeah, this was... It was... I think Zhang clearly won it. She didn't completely dominate... Dominate Torres, but Torres just looked a bit sluggish in there. She didn't look the energized, like tenacious, tiny tornado that we're kind of used to seeing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where Zhang goes. I think she still has work to do. But, um, yeah, she didn't look too bad. Ah, uh, man. Then, now, we're, um, we're getting close, man. We're getting close, you know. This is probably the third most anticipated fight of the evening. It was the UFC debut for Ben Ashgren. And he's fighting Robbie Lawler. So, this was, you know, the big question was... Well, the big two questions... Can Lawler get back to his old form? And can Askren... You know I mean? Because remember, he's uh, he was undefeated. I think 19-0 and 0 coming into this fight. So can Askren go... Um, can, can he keep that O? You know what I mean? Can he keep undefeated? And how will he perform against UFC-caliber fighters? 
Well, this this fight did not go long, but it was insane for the time that it ran for. Like, I mean, on his feet, Lola was destroying Askren, destroying him. Um, Askren went for the takedown. He it, 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 it was a bit sloppy, which enabled Lawler to pick him up and dump him on his head. Like the way Askren hit that canvas, it looked like it was done. You know what I mean? Lawler was landing ground and pound, but Askren was just able to survive. Just able to survive. Um, he gets back up, like he, like it's a weird scramble, he takes Lawler's back, kind of, uh, but you know, he could, no hooks, nothing like that, so, what he did, he, he threw on a bulldog choke, and um, yo, it looked nasty, you know what I mean, it looked nasty, but Lawler was fighting it, then all of a sudden, his arm just drops. His arm drops. Herb Deem checks on him. Looks like Lawler is out. And everyone's thinking Lawler is out. Referee Herb Deem stops the fight. Then Lawler just jumps up like, what the fuck, ref? What's going on? You know what I mean? And so, it, so it's just this question, like, was Lawler actually out? out like in the pro fight in the post fight interviews Lola's just like no he was just trying to fight it and you know he dropped his arm just because you know he was trying to fight hands rather than the way that he was doing it he put his thumbs up to show that he was okay the referee didn't see it you know he was very gracious in defeat but you kind of wonder, because we've see, all seen it before, where someone gets knocked out, and then the moment uh, uh, you know a choke is let off, they suddenly wake up. Or their head hits canvas, and then they wake up. So could that have happened? Could he have been out, and then he wakes up straight away? Who knows, man? It was just a crazy end to a crazy fight. So... Uh, you know what I mean, like, I think there's word that Dana wants to try and run it again, in the post-fights, Askren was like, he doesn't want to run it again, he called out Darren Till, so who knows what's going to happen, it was just crazy, it was frigging crazy, but then we get on to our first title fight, Kamar Usman, the Nigerian nightmare, Against Tyron the Truth Woodley. Um, yeah, this was weird as hell. Now, like, look, going into this fight, you kind of you knew Usman was gonna be a problem. You knew this wasn't gonna be a walk in the park for Woodley. But what we saw was just domination from Usman. Woodley just just didn't look like he could get started. You know, I mean? he had nothing, no answers to anything that um, Usman could do. Um, like Usman was 
oh man, he did a great job of going to the body, just landing shots to the body, mixing it up, throwing kicks, just suffocating him against the fence, suffocating, um, there's a good, you know what I mean, just using shoulder shrugs, just, oh man, he, he was frustrating Woodley, Mike Goodard was the referee and was not doing a great job, you know, he, he kept on trying to break him up, he kept on saying things like, guys, you're in a fight, do you realise this is a fight, it's just like, you just want, you want someone to turn around and go, motherfucker, of course we know this is a fight, what the fuck do you think we are doing, it's about position, it's a chess game here, you dumb motherfucker, it was insane, like, he broke them up a lot, it, it was just weird, it was very weird, um, and I think it emphasised an issue with Goddard, you know, like, there's been a lot of weird decisions with Goddard recently, like, I think the last big one might have been he, his stoppage of Sam Alvey, and before that fight, Alvey was just like, I don't want Goddard to ref this fight, and then we had an issue with the refing of the fight. So, you know, I think Goddard, with this performance, just puts another big target on him. And maybe something will get done about it. Who knows? But yeah, luckily, it didn't fuck with the way this was going. Um, Because, yeah, Usman and Nu. Woo! Yeah. He took the title, um, yeah, owned it, man, owned it, and I think we're probably getting Covington as the um, first offence, I mean, there's a good case to say Woodley gets an, uh, an automatic defence, like rematch, but I also think because the fight was not even close, that goes against Woodley, and also the fact that Covington, you know, he, he was the intern champion, he should have had this fight, but he fucked up, so I think that's why he gets the next one, and then the winner of that will probably face Woodley, you know, I think that's the way it's gonna go, we then had Anthony Lionheart Smith challenging Johnny Bones Jones. Now, Smith going into this fight was probably, I mean, they were saying it's the biggest underdog in UFC history. Like, I don't know how true that is because there's been a few people against Cyborg who are definitely not given any chance in hell. But, yeah, you can definitely see why he'd be the underdog. But going in, Smith was like, yo, he doesn't care. Like, you know what I mean? People are defeated by the mystique of Jones. Rare, rare, rare. Um, he's not going to do that. He's going to knock Jones out. He's going to make history. All of this. Going into this fight, Anthony Smith, it was, it was such a weird fight. Because in so many ways, it was similar to Tyrone against Usman. Um, because, yo, Smith used a shoulder shrug. Crazy. Like, got. I mean, Jones used a shoulder shrug. 
got Smith up against the fence, controlled him, smothered him, used a shoulder shrug on him, like got Smith down and then was stopping his breathing, had his hand over the mouth, just, it was a masterful performance, he dominated, Smith showed nothing, nothing at all, like Jones owned him the entire fight, the entire fight, Smith landed a couple of punches, but at no time did you think he was going to knock Jones out, you know what I mean, Jones ate the punch, walked forward, and just owned him, that's how it went, it was, it was crazy, and the weird thing as well, like, throughout the fight, Smith, like, Smith is throwing, keeps on doing this weird kind of, uh, scowl thing, like, and someone needs to tell him, yo, son, it doesn't look threatening, it just looks like you're constipated or something, you know what I mean, it, it was just weird, it was weird, like, he keeps on throwing this scowl, like he's a bad man, but his intentions in the cage, hey, they did not look anything like a bad man at all, it looked like he had nothing, he offered up nothing, his corner trying to motivate him, didn't do anything, didn't do anything whatsoever, but the weird thing with the, his corner as well, they're like, oh, you're a lion heart, go show the people, blah, 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 but they weren't offering any advice to do that, they weren't, yo, you need to throw more combinations, you know what I mean, throw a one-two, throw a leg kick, throw a hook, then do a high kick, you know what I mean, like, fake an overhand, then go for the takedown, they offered nothing, offered no advice, you know what I mean, so they're trying to motivate him, but it was a bit like, how is he meant to do this stuff, so it was crazy, it was quite, so yeah, Smith got owned, there was one moment in the fight where Jones, Smith had one hand down, um, he's kind of just squatting one hand down, and Jones hit him with a, with a, a knee to the head, now, so this is the weird thing about it, right, it was an illegal knee, because Vegas were, were, did, they're not using all the new rules, so they're using some of the new rules, but not all of them, so people are like, oh, Jones is such a dirty fighter, Jones is blah, 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 I would say, you mean, who, who knows what was going through Jones's head, but, I would say it's got to be kind of confusing that you're fighting one place and it's like, yo, if a fighter's got one hand on the floor, they're not a ground fighter. And then you go somewhere else and we're back to the old rules where it's like, oh, if a fighter's got one hand to the floor, he's a ground fighter. So I, I don't blame Jones for throwing the knee, because I'd say it's fucking confusing, um, I do think it was, it was good that Smith didn't, um, you mean, try and take the win, because if he had said he couldn't fight anymore, 
he would have won by DQ. So it was good that he didn't. But like even before that moment, Smith was not in this fight. So even if people go, oh, it's the knee that that stopped him. Yo, he was not in the fight even before that knee. And even with two, like Jones losing two points for the knee, it didn't mean anything because Jones, you could give all of those rounds to Jones, like 10-7. It was so dominating. He was so dominating. The weird thing in the post fights, I'll say this, right? So Smith was like, yeah, Jones, you know, he won the fight. He clearly won the fight. Ra 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 ra. But he's then going, oh, Jones is beatable. Like, you know what I mean? I like Jones showed nothing new. Jones showed no, you know, it was just I couldn't get up. I couldn't get myself started. But yeah, Jones is definitely beatable. I'm like, shut the fuck up, you idiot. You got owned in there. So to say that this dude showed nothing new shows that you're an idiot. And it also shows that, look, you you don't have what it takes to beat him. Because you, you have to understand what you're up against. You have to understand what the challenge is. So you go in, there was nothing new. It, it shows you don't have the capacity to change, to evolve, to challenge, because you have to see that, yeah, there were new things, he, you got controlled, you got owned, it wasn't just a case that you couldn't get started, it was a case that you got owned, you got owned, face it, understand it, because that is the only way you can evolve from this moment, so yeah, I I thought that I thought it was weird that Anthony Smith was, you know, tr- trying to throw a weird narrative on the situation at the end, even though he got dominated. And and look, people were saying that that that, that fight was underwhelming, but I have to say I I wasn't un- I I enjoyed the fight. I thought it was a great show, a masterful show of dominance by Jones. And it's going to be interesting to see him next. I'd say he's probably fighting Tiago Santos. Tiago Santos. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that fights go. I, as, look, as I said last week, I feel Santos is a bigger challenge than Smith. But... On this performance, I can't see anyone beating Jones at the moment. You know, like his bigger chat, his biggest challenge might be Johnny Walker, but Johnny Walker is still very green. But yeah, like at the moment, I don't really see anyone else beating Jones. So um, yeah, that was UFC two thirty five. And there's going to be UFC next weekend. So looking forward to that. And um, I will give my thoughts then. Alright. Peace. So as mentioned last week. I've decided to um, do a rewatch of the first three seasons of Catastrophe. So this week we have done season two. Alright. So um, you know. Again, it's written by 
Horrigan, Sharon Horrigan and Rob Delaney. Um, and the, um, the description on Amazon Prime is, Times have changed for the turbulent lovers in season two. As their whirlwind courtship settles into the everyday of a long-term marriage and parenting. Rob and Sharon will work to maintain their love, passion and humour. But will it be enough when they're fighting off flirtatious co-workers, postpartum depression, dysfunctional friends and crazy relatives? Now that is the big question, right? Um, so, like with the end of season one, you know, Sharon is just going into labor with um their first kid but so season two hey it starts um and they're in bed like they're in bed and Sharon is clearly pregnant so you're like huh but we've had a time jump so um they've had their first kid Frankie and now she's pregnant with another baby, um, and they have a dog as well, like, the thing I like about this is, you know, life doesn't stand still, so, you know what I mean, you watch a TV show, and a lot of times, you know, you have to wait a year for the second season, and nothing has moved, everything is frozen in time, and, and it's a bit false, you know, so, it, it, the it's good to see this showing that, yo, life moves on, you know, people change, people evolve, situations are different, so that's a nice little, little look, and it's like, you know, we're peeping in, you know, I mean, we're looking for a window, uh, and their life is just moving on, you know what I mean, but look, time has changed, but hey, this series is still so damn funny, man, so damn funny, like, there's this whole, whole thing, um, about the name of the baby, like, you know, because it's an Irish name, so all the Irish side, like, Sharon's family, yeah, they're fine with it, everyone else, they cannot pronounce this baby's name, which is just, yeah, it's funny, man, but then you've also got the, these great kind of moments in, um, in this season, like, um, I think it's it, it Sharon's brother, um, Fergal, so he's hitting Rob up for money, and Rob's just like, oh, fuck, okay, yeah, I guess I could lend you some money, then he, Fergal says how much he needs, and it's just like, what the fuck, but he's just thinking, well, it's Sharon's brother, so what do I do, I've, I've got to help him, I guess, which then leads to a whole heap of shit. Um, you have <laughs> you have uh, the, the, this woman um, start at Rob's work, and she's all flirty and making, you know, inappropriate <laughs> inappropriate suggestions. Like, you know, I want to suck all the cum out of your cock until you pass out, you know, probably not the thing you expect to hear 
from um you know one of one of your fellow employees one of the peers of your work <laughs> so that another you know it, it brings about a whole heap of other craziness which he's trying to deal with so they're like you know throughout this season um you've got just all these weird kind of things that are going on Sharon's got postnatal depression so when Rob comes home he's just like oh work is so bad like he gets a suck it up just stop being a whiny bitch you've got to support us you know what I mean and so he's just like wait what the fuck what's going on here you know he, he he's trying to make us like everything but then you know, like, see, so you think, oh, shit, everything's falling apart, but then, you know, other things happen, which are great, like, Sharon, go, you know, she's going to this baby mother's group, um, which just seems like a living hell, just, ugh, I mean, it's sickening enough to see these people pushing around these little things and then everyone's going nuts about like imagine being ugh in a room full of that it just ugh, makes my stomach turn i remember look i'm going on a tangent because i can right so i like when i was a kid i like you know we were doing work experience and so i had to go to a, a, a leisure center so i went did it at a leisure center they had a crash for some reason, I have the ability to shut kids up, and that's not with a pillow. I mean, just legitimately, I can make kids stop crying. It's a power I do not want. You know what I mean? I do not want it. I do not wish for it. But I can do it. So, obviously, they saw me do this, and they're like, oh, shit, Kevin can go into the creche every day, so I got lumbered in the freaking creche every day, and it was hell, hell, so I can just, you know, envisioning Sharon in this mums and babies group, ugh, I can understand her pain, so, but she makes friends with one of the mums, but then, you know, the mum goes, eventually goes back to work, and it's just like, for her, Sharon was just someone to talk to while in this group. And she doesn't really want to know Sharon out of the group. Sharon doesn't realise this. So we had all of this craziness. And it all goes to hell. But Rob, hey, he has Sharon's back. So he sticks up for her. Which was really a nice mo It was a great moment to end an, an episode, you know. And so, you know, even though they're arguing a lot. Oh, man, they argue a lot. <laughs> but then there's still, there's these moments where they have each other's back. And regardless of all the other shit that's going on. You know what I mean? Which is, which is really good. You know, and that, you know, this is one of the things that kind of helps this series stand out because it's um it's like showing relationships as they are you know it's not all fun and games it's not this instagram fucking life that people want to perpetrate 
You know what I mean? Yeah, people want to show like, hey, we're living the dream. Oh, yeah. Play hard. Have fun hard. Or, you know the expression. I don't know the expression, obviously. But you know what I'm talking about. For people doing this shit. And it's just like, it's lies. It's all lies. Because then when you speak to a motherfucker in in the flesh, you read, they're like, oh, yeah, things are tough. Oh man, me and Thingy are just arguing and blah. And you're just like, what the fuck? So don't put all this bullshit online then, you fucking fraudulent motherfucker. You know, the amount of people I know that that, that live these false bullshits is crazy, man. It's crazy. So yeah, but you know, that's a good that's the reason I like catastrophe. It's just well written. There, there was <laughs> in this great argument between them, um, between Sharon and Rob. <laughs> Rob's like, oh, you know what? It's unhealthy the way you are with that baby. You're like Gollum. And Sharon's just like the shock on her face. She's just like, what? Huh? And he's just like, and Rob's like, you know Gollum. Uh, my precious, precious. Uh, it's just the way you do over her. It's just unhealthy. And she's just like, oh, oh, well, I thought you were saying I'm Gollum because of my, my, <laughs> my goggly eyes. So if you're not saying that, I take what you just said as a compliment. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? This is comedy gold, man. Comedy gold. But yeah, see, so you have all of this crazy shit going on. Then you've got the crazy friends like Fran and Chris, or you know what I mean? Like that marriage. Woo! Well, that's crazy. You know? They, they. Hey, Rob and Sharon might argue, but at least they're not Fran and Chris, right? So, we're, we're, we're seeing all the fallout of their situations. Uh, like, <laughs> it's a, kind of a great kind of um, story arc for Chris and Sharon and um, Fran. Like, both of them. Like, the seeing how, you know, they're going through this season. That's funny. And, um... You know, but look, this is the thing, like, we're seeing different kinds of love and and the way it affects people and the way people kind of react and interact around those things. That's what it is, man. That's what, like, we see too many shows and too many things where it's showing this bullshit life. You know what I mean? Like everything is this fucking fairy tale, this false fucking pretense. It's just not healthy. It's not healthy. So, you know, it's nice to see. Look, not everything's going to be fun and games, right? We're going to argue. But see, the thing is, like, hopefully you don't argue as much as these people are arguing. You know what I mean? Hopefully you don't. But you're going to argue. It's not going to be plain, you know, sailing all the way through. Now, some people go, oh, we've never argued. And then you're living a fucking lie. Because either you're compromising so much, eventually you're going to explode and probably murder each other. You know what I mean? 
or it's just you are both very empty inside. But so this is the thing. Look, there's going to be arguing. But what I think really shows you're in love and appreciation for someone is like when someone really needs you, when something has gone fucking wrong, they're crying on the floor, that you put aside the bullshit, that you put aside whatever had, you know what I mean, you go up, and you're just, you, you help that person out, you comfort that person, see, that's what, you know, that's what this shit is about, man, you know what I mean, that's, that's love, that's relationships, hey, that's friendships too, you know, like, you, you know, you have beef, you have an argument, but, hey, you, you realise that, you, you know, your friend, your partner, whatever, whatever, they need you, that you help them out, and it, and it's just nice, it's just refreshing to see this on the TV, along with a shitload of jokes, so yeah, that's um, Catastrophe Season 2, watch it, you will not be disappointed, hey, it's only six episodes, and they're about, what, like, 20, 24 minutes, so, hey, it's not gonna kill your time, and it will cheer you up after a long day of bullshit, okay, people, so this week, I read, um, the ninth book in the Alex Vera series, and that's called Marked, so it's by Benedict Dac- Benedict Jacker, and it's narrated by Gilda Jackson. And you know what? Like sometimes when a series is so many books, you get to this point, and things start to get a little bit ropey. You know what I mean? You can definitely see that the quality goes down slightly. I'm pleased to tell you that is not the case with this series. So, the gist of it is this. Mage Alex Virus is hanging on by a thread in a ninth urban fantasy novel from the national best-selling author of Burned. When Mage Alex Virus ends up with a position on the Light Council, no one is happy, least of all him. But Alex is starting to realise that if he wants to protect his friends, he'll need to become a power player himself. His first order of business is to track down dangerous magical items unleashed into the world by dark mages. Uh, So this happened in the last book. But when the council decides they need his help in negotiating with the perpetrators, Alex will have to use all his cunning and magic to strike a deal and stop the rising tension between the council, the dark mages and the adept community from turning into a bloodbath. So, yeah, I mean, this book, it starts and we're in the midst of Alex collecting items, so after the events of the last book, you're a bit like, oh, what's happening here, what's going down, huh, but then it all starts to make sense, and it, and you're like, oh, okay, right, we're in this, man, and I think the way Benedict, like, tells the tale and lays everything out for the reader, you really are 
like brought in. You are, really are immersed really fast into this book. You know, there's no real point where you're like, ugh, is this going to speed up? What's going on? You know what I mean? You're just in it. You're like really down with the characters and, um, you know, involved with what's happening with them. I think uh, there, there, you know, you, there was the wonder how long this situation would go on for. And I really like the way that it hasn't been ended quickly. You know, we, we've had certain things happening that have been resolved. But the main situation, it's a building powder keg. And I really like that. I think I just remember like back in the day and it was my biggest complaint with like you know Star Trek because everything would be done in one episode or at the most maybe two and so you'd have these stories that could be this lavish epic telling and they're always rushed I remember when the Rumblins took over um, Deep Space Nine I think that the invasion and war, I think it lasted something like maybe four episodes. And I was just like, what is going, this is terrible, man. This is terrible. It, it should have been the whole season, if not longer. But Benedict doesn't succumb to that bullshit. You know what I mean? He, he lets the story breathe. And he lets things happen in a way that feels natural to you you know like there was I have to say as well I'm jumping around here a bit but there was something like in the last book um there was this event that happened so look if you haven't read Bound you need to read Bound you can't read this really without understanding things that happened in Bound but I think when um something towards the end like it was a situation and Alex didn't act on it and it was just a bit like oh man Alex what are you doing and I ain't gonna lie when the thing came up again in this book ah when Alex did say Man, that was a good moment. It was a good moment and it was believable. Because this is the thing, right? One of the problems I had with a recent book I read, One Day in December. I think that was it. One Day, One Fine Day, something, something. But the problems I had with that book was, it was like the situations just weren't believable. You know, you're like, you're saying, oh, I love this person. But nowhere in the book has it showed how, why this, why they would be in love, you know what I mean, you've just seen one person be a nasty fuck, and that was it, it was very one-sided, you know what I mean, but in this book, everything is believable, because we're seeing all those different sides, you know, so we have an understanding of how the characters are feeling, why they would be doing certain things, any resentments, any reasons for holding certain things back, we have that understanding, so you, you can completely believe what, the way things play out, 
and why they play out in a certain way. But yeah, when, when the thing happened, ah, it was a good moment because there was like it happened twice and there was an opportunity to take it back. But they didn't. And yeah, I was extremely happy. And and that was some really nice writing by Benedict. I, I, I'm not going to lie there. You know, I think all the elements of the book, they really came together well. You know, we're, we're, we're um, dipping into things as well that, you know, have come up in previous books. You know, there's a little glimpse of a certain thing. And then, you know, that comes up again. So... I think this book plays really well with the whole universe and the mythos and all of that. So it's good. And then there's also there was also a nice moment between Alex and Luna. Because, Lu, as we know, Luna now runs the um, Emporium, Magicorium. That's not right, but you know what I mean, the shop. Luna runs the shop now. And so there was this nice little reversal of roles that that played out you know because in the earlier books Alex owned a shop Alex was running a shop Luna would go in and like bug him with questions so that was a nice little kind of play on situations play on things so that was good but I think one of the things that is you know is always it's there and you really do kind of have it. That onomous, 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 the onomous, onomous, Hmm. Hmm. You know what I'm trying to say, right? The, um, the sense of foreboding. That's a better word anyway. Fuck onomous or however you pronounce it. The sense of foreboding. Yeah. That's good. Like, but you have that. That's always this undercurrent that runs through things. And you're just like, oh, things could all go awry. You know what I mean? Like, things aren't necessarily golden. Like, I think there could be issues here. So, you have this playing out. And so, it always makes things impactful, you know, because you always have that feeling that at any moment, a life could be snuffed out, you know, um, like people's liberty could be taken away, so you always have this, and you always have like, so when Alex and the gang are doing certain things, you always think, yeah, but at what moment is it all going to go awry, you know, at what, what moment is everything going to come crumbling down around them, so yeah, this is, this is really interesting, I like the fact as well that Alex's situation with the keepers is still squiffy, you know, because you kind of felt that Alex and Cordera you know, they they, they they were forming a nice little friendship, and now it's all a mess, and I like that that hasn't been wrapped up, you know what I mean, it's just one of those ongoing things, because, like, 
there's always those situations that come up in life, you know what I mean, where you, you've been friends with someone, and then some bullshit happens, and then it's just like, hmm, you know what, I don't know if I trust this fucker now, man, I don't know how to look at this person now, and and it all it's always there, and you you don't outright hate each other, but you're not tight like you once were, so it's nice to see that in this universe, in these books, but I think the big question is now, when the hell is the new book coming, you know what I mean, that is what I want to know, because, you know what I mean, I'm done now, I've, I've read everything, and I want book 10, want book 10, it, it, it's like, you know, supposedly on Goodreads, it's it's got book 10 titled as Fallen, but there's no, um, there's no date, it's just got down, like, uh, supposedly, it's saying October, October this year, but I don't see any word from Jacka to confirm that, but yeah, I just, I need that next book, because this series is so damn good, so people, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend that you um, go to a bookstore, you go, you know what I mean, go on Amazon, grab the Kindle version, or, or, and it is what I would do, I say, um, yeah, go to Audible and grab Fated there, because you get to hear Gilded Jackson's narration, and I think it really sucks you into the world, he does a great job in, um, you know what I mean, breathing life into the characters, and it also means you, you can listen to everything that goes on, while you're, you're cooking, while you're doing housework, while you're washing up, hey, while you're inputting bullshit numbers on your computer at work, you know, if I have any mundane jobs that I'm doing, you know, I mean, that shit that you don't even have to think about, yeah, I'll throw my audible, audible books on, and I'll listen to a little something, something, while I'm, you know, I mean, just doing that mundane shit, but yeah, while I'm traveling to work, going to meet friends, hey, always got this on, so I would say, people, the best way to get into this series is by audible, but, you know, that's just me, you know what I mean, that's just sensible old me, but listen, if if you've been with this series from the giddy up, hey, you're gonna love Marked, and I don't need to twist your arm, if you've read the last River of London book, and you need something, you want a new series to get down with, then, hey, definitely, you would love this, because if you like that, you will love this, for sure, if you liked Mike Carey's Felix Caster books, again, you're gonna love this shit, people, so, listen, if any of those, 
you're on. Hey, even if if you just like good storytelling, you know, which is the, the the main thing. If you love good storytelling, rich characters and worlds, then go grab this shit, man. This you know what I mean? There's nine books so far, and everyone is great. So listen, this is marked. Book nine in Benedict Jacker's Alex Verus series. Go check it out. Yes, people. We're getting to the end of another episode. Gonna play out a little Dayla and hit you with the TV news before we bounce. Okay, so um, word came last year that CBS Access will be making a Star Trek series based on Jean Luc Picard and. Um, Patrick Stewart's going to be reprising the role. So I know my friend Cindy is gassed about this. It's going to be a 10 episode series. Um, It's going to be set in the year 2389. So supposedly that's a decade after the events of Star Trek Nemesis. 20 years after the end of Star Trek Generation. So really that's all the new all the kind of big news that we know. But recently they've just announced um some of the character breakdowns. So um yeah these are people who we will see in this uh series. So you have Connie She's early 30s, African-American woman, mercenary pilot and widow with a bounty on her head. Uh, Then there's Lawrence, an early 30s man, a thief with a dodgy dodgy moral compass and Picard's pilot for a mission. Starton, early 30s man, a Hoistronic brain specialist terrified of space travel. Dr. Smith, a holographic crewman programmed to avoid becoming too self-aware. Kabar, a late teenage male Romulan martial artist extremely devoted to Picard. Indria, early 20s woman, smart, agile but socially inept and immature and Alana a 40s 50s woman former intelligence officer analytical paranoid and a substance abuser so um yeah that I mean that that's it I mean uh, well I think production is meant to start mid-April so I, I think we're definitely, you know what I mean, we definitely can guarantee that this series is going to be hitting before the end of this year. So, um, yeah, be interesting to see how this is. 
Now, in some news that uh, has made me extremely happy, there's one of my favorite things as a kid was a um, a TV series called The Storyteller. Um, and it was by, it was Jim Henson's workshop. It started off with John Hurt as a, as, as a kind of um, a vagabond sitting by a fire with his big dog and telling stories. It was incredible. It was so good. I think there's only two seasons though. You know what I mean? It was so good, but only two seasons. Well, Neil Gaiman is... Um, going to be bringing it back yeah which is the best news um and so the jim henson company is teaming with um Fremantle and um neil gaiman is gonna be writing and executive producing the series which is ah perfect you know what I mean? It, 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 it's, I think mean, it's the best news. It, it's, it's definitely the best news. Um, I mean, you know what I mean? It's, it's just folklore and mythology. Ah, you know, and, and you, you just think of all the stuff that Gaiman has done. You know, American Gods and Nancy. You know what I mean? Stardust. Like, Everything has got that kind of fanciful, mythological kind of tone to it. He's, he's, his last book was the Norse gods, you know. So, and then you you think of all the comic book stuff that he's written, like Sandman and everything like that. So, he just seems like the perfect person to reinvent reinvent this series, you know. Like, supposedly, it was inspired by um, Henson's daughter's, Lisa's university university studies in folklore and mythology. So, um, yeah, that's how Henson created the first storyteller in 1987, people. 1987, you know what I mean? Crazy, right? Um, and it won an Emmy and a BAFTA. It, it was just the best. Like, if you have the opportunity to see this, you really should. You really, I've got DV, I've got some old DVDs of it, man. Ah, it was incredible. I can't wait. I'm gonna rewatch it for sure. <laughs> ah, you know, so, um, Dante De Lorotto, the president of, uh, of Scripted Entertainment at Fremantle, said, There is currently nothing like the storyteller in the television landscape, and the themes these stories will explore are even more critically important today. We are honoured to be working with Lisa Henson and her illustrious company, to bring their esteemed property back to television and to yet again partner with Neil Gaiman on another project that will further showcase his brilliant nar- narrative power. Yeah. And um, 
Gaiman said, uh, you know, Jim Henson was always ahead of his time. He found ways to retell folk and fairy tales for a televisual generation. The original storyteller was a brilliantly written, directed and told set of stories. It's a terrifying and inspiring task to reinvent what Jim Henson did for the golden age of television we are in right now. And I'm honoured that the Jim Henson company would entrust me with the task of bringing back the storyteller and this magical stories and sending him out into the world for a whole new generation. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no kind of date put on when this will happen, but I can only imagine that it will be seeing it, but, you know, before the end of the year, you know, the pickups in September, I imagine this will be there. I hope it will, because I'm looking forward to seeing it now, but, um, yeah, that is another episode people thank you for listening um share with your friends comment all of that business and i will speak with you next week all right peace From the east with the beats that be thorough. Got the solar gravitation, so I'm bound to pull it. I gets down like brothers are found, ducking from bullets. Gun control means using both hands in my land. Yeah. Where it's all about the cautious living. Uh-huh. Migrating to a higher form of consequence. Compliments are struggling that shouldn't be notable. Man, every word I say should be a hip hop.